through verse number 10. I, uh, I love the book of James, and I love it because it speaks to me so personally, which all of the Bible does. But, you know, we have certain scriptures that really is personal. And uh, the book of James, every time I read it, it just, I feel like it's just so personal to me. And uh, I pray that this message will help you tonight, will encourage you tonight, and will also open our eyes to some truth in the scriptures. Verse 7 of James chapter number 4. It sounds simple when you read it. It says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. When I read that verse just right off, I'm thinking, well, you know, there's nothing to that, submitting yourselves to God. We do that all the time. But I pray the Lord will teach us tonight what it really means. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This sounds simple again. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. And then it's kind of like, what, what do you want us to see next? Because it's almost like a total different thought in one verse. He says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Verse 9 has always been one of those verses where I'm thinking, Lord, what are you trying to show me here? Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. I can't remember what service it was. I can't remember if it's Sunday morning or Sunday night. But I ask a question. Is there any women in the service who needs help? Several women raised their hand. And they all come over here to this side of the church. And a lot of the ladies in the church went and prayed with them. Any men need some help? There's two. <laughs> That ought to tell you how things work between men and women, amen? Something about us men we have a little trouble with. Could it be pride or just, you know, amen. Two men, but they did, they prayed. Well, ever since then, this has been on my heart. The title of the message tonight is, You Need Some Help. You Need Some Help. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all that you do for us. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness in our lives. And Lord, I understand there is lots of things going on in our church family. There's a lot of people that's sick, a lot of folks that has loved ones that are dealing with serious things. And there's no doubt, Lord, there's no doubt that there are folks in this service tonight who needs, they need some help. And I ask, Lord, that you would speak through us and to us through your word tonight. 
Help me to preach this message so that we can all understand. Make it simple into our ears so it can sink into our hearts. Change us. and Give us a desire to want to be different. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for being here. Amen. Thank you for standing. Amen. When I begin to study this, I'm just going to share how the Lord dealt with me about it. Number one, the Bible says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. When you begin to study this first portion of verse number seven, it simply just means this, and it sounds simple. It means surrender. It means surrender. Uh, It means not only to submit to God, but to surrender to the Lord. And it gives the thought of to be under obedience. And when you study this word submit in the Greek, it means to put under. To put under. And when you study this in the Greek, it speaks of position. It speaks of our position. Now, the Bible makes it very clear from Genesis to Revelation that every single person has a position. We have a place. A man has a position. A woman has a position. We, as followers of Christ, we also have a place. This word submitting yourself speaks of surrender, but it speaks more deeply of a position and it means to arrange in an orderly manner. To arrange in an orderly manner. So when we begin to study verse number seven, submitting yourselves therefore to God, it means this. It means are we going to be in control? Or are you and I going to let God be in control? Do you want to be on top of position or do you want God to be on top in position? Do you want to be in control or do you want God to be in control? Do you want to make all of the decisions in life or do you want God's will to be done in your life? And when I begin to study this surrendering to God because I need help and you need help, it means to surrender under his care. It means to surrender under his power. And it means to surrender under his strength. It means that you and I need to yield to the Lord, to his will, to his commands, and to his word. Now, when we begin to study this verse where it says, submitting yourselves, therefore, to God, it's real easy to say, well, I've got that. I do that. I understand that. I know that God is in control. I know that he is on the throne. I know that I'm a nobody and he's everything. I realize that and I do that. But the real question is this, do you really do that? And do I really do that? When I got up today, Have I been in control or has God been in control? 
When I'm preaching right now, am I in control or do I want the Lord to be in control? The decisions I'm going to make this week, am I going to seek him for his leadership or have, already, or have I already got it all figured out in my mind exactly the way that I want it to go? I will say exactly what I want to say. I will do exactly the way I want it to be done. And I will take care of every situation in my life. Because if I do that, and if you do that, then in position, he is not in control. I'm in control. I am not surrendering to him. What I am doing in essence, and you need to hear this, is I am wanting him to surrender to my will, not me surrender to his will. Man, when you really get to thinking about this word, submitting therefore to God, submitting therefore to God, that is a very heavy, that is a very serious thought. When you say this, you know what? I'm surrendering. I'm giving up. I'm giving my life over to the Lord. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. He's my comforter. He's my God. He's my all in all. He's everything that I need. It's easy to say that. It's easy to preach that. But at the end of the day, are you and I truly willing to surrender, to submit to God's will in our lives? Serious business. Serious business. And God knows exactly what we need, when we need it the most. Amen? Surrender to the will of God. I wrote this down and put a little square around it in my notes as I was reading through them this morning. I wrote down, pride, pride will make this an everyday challenge. Pride will. Pride will make surrendering to the Lord Not a monthly challenge. Pride will make surrendering to the Lord an everyday challenge. And pride, Brother Don, not only, because I got some pride. I mean, I'll admit it. Pride will not only make it an everyday choice, but sometimes in my life, Dwayne, my pride to surrender to God can sometimes make it an every hour choice. Because I'm thinking, well, I got it. I know what to do. I know how to do it. There's really no need to even think about it. So what I'm going to do is I am just going to do what I want to do. The title of the message is this. I need help in this area. I need help in the area of surrendering to my Savior. I know He's my Savior. I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven, but in position. Do I have him here or do I have him here? And that's what this verse is speaking of. So stay with me now. It says, submit yourselves therefore to God. And then it says this, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So I begin to study this surrendering myself to the Lord's will. And let me say this that word res- surrender there and that word submit there is a very interesting word because it means this to relinquish, to 
relinquish. It means to leave without any intentions of resuming. The word relinquish means to give up control of your life. You say, oh, that's, ain't nothing to that. There's nothing to that. I, I, I'm submitting, therefore, to God. Understand what it means. It means that you are saying, I'm giving up all control of my life. Lord, you are in control of my life. I relinquish. I, I give it up. It's up to you, God. It's whatever you want, Lord. It's the direction you want me to go in, not the direction I'm trying to take you in. Resist the devil. Now, this is interesting. If we'll submit, if we will surrender, if we will realize that in position he is the head, and we will submit yourselves therefore to God, then it says to resist the devil. Now listen at this. That word resist means to stand against. To surrender to the Lord in all. If you take notes, write this down. To surrender to the Lord in all and surrender to the devil in nothing. Surrender to God in all and surrender to the devil in nothing. Now, when you're going through life and you're being tempted or there's something going on in your life or or there's the temptations, there's the pride of life, there's the lust of the flesh, you see things with your eyes, you hear things with your ears, you feel that heart wanting to be wayward, Uh, you see that sin that is trying to creep back into your life. What the Bible is teaching is this, ask God to be in control. Just just say, Lord, I'm tired of trying to be in control. And and Lord, I want you to be in control of my life. I want to completely surrender. Lock, stock, and barrel, Lord. I want to follow you, your will, your command, your desires for my life. And Lord, while that is happening, when the devil comes to me, Lord, give me the strength to be able to resist. Give me the strength to be able to say no to anything that is going to cause me to get out of God's will and stumble in my life as a believer. Is there anything you already know of that makes you stumble? Is there anything in your life that causes you to veer away? If there is, resist that. The only way to resist is to say no to all. No to all. You ever flip through, hey men, us men are full of pride. If you got cable TV or a satellite or some type of TV in your house, say amen, men. You ever get tempted by that thing? You ever get tempted by it? You got a cell phone, don't you, men? You got a cell phone, right, ladies? You ever get tempted by that? I wonder what would happen when that temptation was in front of us and that sin was in front of us and that evil was in front of it. I wonder what would happen if we would just, if we would just resist it all. Say, no, I'm not. No, I can't. No, I won't. God, give me power and give me strength and help me to follow your will in my life. And I cannot go there anymore because the devil is chewing me up and spitting me out in that area in my life as a Christian. You got you to you surrender. 
And you got to resist. You can't just say no to some. You got to say no to all. You can't just say no to this and yes to that. You, you can't just say, you know what, I think, I'll, I think I'll resist that, but this over here, I think I'll hang on to that for a little bit longer. You can't do that, child of God. You've got to resist all. You've got to resist completely. Are you with me? I'm going to share a confession, Williams. Some of you are going to know what I'm talking about, and some of you are not. Danny Phillips, you'll know what I'm talking about. I loved a certain type of music when I was living in the world. And man, I knew every word of it. And personally, the Lord began to deal with me about it. And when I was growing up, we had albums. Them things are coming back in now, albums. I had a lot of albums. And I got rid of them. And you know what's funny? When I got rid of them albums, there was something inside of me that was screaming, don't do it. Don't do it. Hang on to them. I was like, nope. It's got to go. Well, it ain't been but too long ago. I'm going to say it was in the last 10 years. I was riding through downtown Asheville as I was leaving the hospital. And when I come through town, there was a record shop. And I thought, I'm going to go in that record shop. And I'm going to go in there and I'm going to see if I can find one of those old albums that I used to love. And sure enough, I went in there. And I asked the guy, I said, hey man, I said... uh, I'm looking for such and such album. He goes, oh yeah, they're right back there. Originals. I went back there and I got it. I come home. I didn't keep it from my wife. I said, honey, I bought a record today. She said, why did you buy that? I was like, I don't know. But I bought this record, this album today. I went downstairs in my little workshop opened up the lid on my little player, put that big old album on, laid that thing down on song one, and it took me back to the day. Are you with me? It took me back to the day. And every word come right back into my mind. Every word come right back into my heart. And that first song, it was awesome. And that second song, it was awesome. But then that third song, it was the most ungodly, vulgar, filthy song. And I was like, I don't remember that saying all of that. So then I went over there and raised that needle up and skipped that one and went to the next one. It was worse. And it was that still small voice in my heart said, Keith... You think I've changed my mind on what I've dealt with you about? I mean, you think now that you've been saved for this many years and now you're pastoring and and now you feel like you're closer to me now than you was then, you think I've changed my mind on that filth? You think I've changed my mind on filth? (laughs) 
I don't know why I had to say that, but that's not in my notes. But when you surrender to the Lord, he's in control, right? And if we're going to resist the devil, what areas do we resist in? All areas you resist in. Temptations. And can I say this? The longer you're in that sin, the harder it will be to resist that sin. If you're in a sin of drugs for a long time, boy, it's hard to resist those drugs. If you're in the sin of alcohol for a long time, boy, it's hard to resist that sin of alcohol. If you're in the sin of pornography, boy, it's hard to resist it. If you're caught up in sex before marriage, boy, and you're already experiencing those things, boy, I'm telling you, it's hard to pull that break up. You with me? So what areas, preacher, what areas you think he's speaking of when he tells us to resist the devil? He's speaking, listen, he's speaking in all areas. All areas of my life and all areas of your life. Surrender to God. Give it all to him. Follow his will. And when the devil comes, say no to all that don't need to be in your life. Oh, So surrender. And resist. First Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And then I love this next part. Submit yourselves. Remember that means in position of authority. That means who's in control. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. What part do I need to resist? Resist all, all evil, all ungodliness. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Then it says, draw nigh to God. Draw nigh to God. That just simply means to make near. It means to approach. It means to be at hand. Well, I heard a good message Monday night. A young man was preaching on spending time at Jesus' feet. And if we're going to draw nigh to God, if we are going to get closer to Him, if we are going to seek a closer walk with Him, to make near, to approach, to be at hand, let me ask you this. I want you to think about it. Is drawing near to the Lord a priority in your life? Is it a priority in your life? Is that something in your life that you're like, you know what? I've got some things in my life that I know that needs to happen. Is drawing near to the Lord a priority? And you say, well, I ain't never looked at it that way. Well, if it's not then you will not do it. If it's not a priority, if it's not something in your life that is very important to you, then you're not going to make the efforts to get closer to the Lord. It must be a priority. Oh, we've got a lot of priorities, and I could go through a million things, but it's drawing nigh, getting close to the Lord, spending time at Jesus' feet, spending time in His Word. It don't just mean to pray. It just don't mean to read your Bible. It also means this. Are you ready? To worship. 
to worship the Lord. Is prayer, Bible time, and worship a priority in your life? Or is it a one or two or three day a week thing simply when we're here? It needs to be our priority. Draw nigh, draw nigh to the Lord. I began to study this and Brother Jeremy got me a David Jeremiah Bible. And I thought, I wonder what David Jeremiah says about this verse. And this is what he said. He said, it's the same. This, this, these words, draw nigh to God, draw near to God, is the same as in the Old Testament when the Levitical priest would come to offer sacrifices to God in Exodus 19.22. He said, it's the same Old Testament saying that James is using in the New Testament. And what he's saying is this, come to God, come to him. Go to him. See, we're always saying, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. I need you, Lord, I need you. And we do need him. But a priority in our life is this, Lord, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you, Lord. I'm coming to you this morning. I'm coming to you this evening. I'm coming to you for help. I'm not just going to sit around and wait for everything to fly apart so I can call on you to come to me. But a priority in my life is this. I'm coming to you, Lord, because I need you in my life. I need you to be number one in my life. I need you to be in control of my life because the devil is trying his best to destroy me, destroy my family, destroy our church, and to get us in places where we can't even know what to do next. Draw nigh to God. Make it a priority. Make up your mind in 2023. You say, I didn't do that. I ain't joining no gym. I'm not doing no New Year's resolutions. I'm not telling you that. But you ought to make a priority in your life. This year, I'm going to try my best to get as close to Jesus as I can. I want it to be a priority top of my list. Lord, I'm coming to you. Not with just some things. Lord, I'm coming to you with everything in my life. I'm bringing it to you. I'm bringing it to his feet. Draw nigh to God. Draw nigh to him. Mm. Zechariah 1.3, Malachi 3.7, Hebrews 7.19 teaches that in our lives. And if you draw nigh to him, what's it say? Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. All right. Then here's this next part. Listen close. Any time in my life that I have said, Lord, I surrender. I surrender. Lord, I I want to follow your will and your direction in my life no matter what. I'm sick of this sin. I'm sick of this temptations. Oh, they're never going to go away on this side. But God, I'm going to try my best through your help to say no to all of it. All of it. I'm going to try my best to say no. And God, if you'll give me the strength and just help me, Lord, to be able to do this. It never fails. (laughs) there'll be some things that God will show me through the Holy Spirit and through his word that I will know for sure "Mm, that has to go. 
That has to go. I can't. I can't keep doing this. And it says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. I wonder if this is where most of us live. I wonder if most of us, I didn't say all of us, I just wonder if most of us live right here in verse number 8. That cleansing your hands and and purifying your hearts, and especially those last two words, double-minded. I wonder if that's where most of us live. That cleanse your hands means clean, clear, purge. To remove what is an offense. Your hands and your heart. That double-minded speaks of back and forth. Just back and forth. He already says it in James chapter number 1 and verse number 8. I'll read it to you real quick. He says, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. A double-minded man is unstable in all, all of his ways. You ever feel just all discombobulated? (laughs) Huh? You ever feel, I don't know what to do about that. I knew yesterday, but today I'm not sure. I don't know where to stand on that. I felt pretty good about it, but now I'm not sure. When I said that, I felt like I need to say it, but now I don't know whether I should have said it or not. I was living doing really good, but now I feel like I'm all messed up again. I feel like I'm going in one direction. Now I feel like I need to go in another direction. Can somebody tell me what I need to do? You know what that's a sign of? A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. I've been there a lot. Just, who knows? Who cares? I can't tell. I don't know what to do. When you read that, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Here's what it means. Are you ready? Unstable in Opinion? You say, well, opinions don't matter. A double-minded man is unstable in opinion. I studied it. And here's the big one. A double-minded person is unstable in purpose. Purpose. What's the purpose? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Hey, baby girl. I just don't get it, man. A double-minded person. Got any double-minded people tonight? Just really double-minded. Then verse 9 says this. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Verse number nine should be preached at least once a month in every church around the country now that I understand it. You know what it means? The Lord has come and the Lord has saved us 
and the Lord wants to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. Do you believe that? The Lord wants to take the bitterness and he wants to give us joy. The Lord wants to take the turmoil and he wants to give us peace. You say, well, if that's what God wants us to have as Christians, then why is James telling us to mourn and to cry and to weep and let your joy be turned into that? You ready? The Word of God is teaching us this. When you've got sin in your life, when your hands and your heart is dirty before a holy and a righteous God, do you ever weep over it? Does it ever break you? Do you ever get to the point to where you're like, you know what, I shouldn't have did it, and I did it anyway, and now it's killing me. God, I'm sorry, I know I shouldn't have done it. I'll tell you what we're getting away from the closer we get to the coming of Christ, we're getting away from brokenness as believers. I'm not talking about brokenness as sinners. I'm talking about brokenness as believers. When I said that to you, my friend, I apologize because God convicted me about it and I'm calling you and I want you to forgive me because I should have never said to you what I said and it's been eating me up all night and I'm miserable. I had to get it right. You ever remember feeling that way as a new Christian? What happens to us after we've been saved for a little while? Are we getting away from that brokenness? Are we getting away from those tears? Are we getting away from when our hands is dirty and our hearts are not right with God? Do you ever enter into the house of God and feel like, man, I need to get right with the Lord tonight? You ever feel that anymore? Are you just going through life just dealing with it, man? Eh. I'm good. The grace of God's good. I don't want to lose my joy. don't want to lose the smile on my face. So I'm not going to let it bother me that much. Man, you need to let it bother you. Because when God convicts you, it should eat you up to drive you to your knees to get clean before him. You with me? Uh, I can go out with my buddies and get drunk and get high and come to church on Sunday. Don't bother me. Something's wrong. Something is wrong. Either you ain't, either you ain't got it, or you're so cold on God, you can't even feel conviction in your life anymore. It ought to break us. It ought to break us. It ought to drive us to our knees in tears, saying, God, forgive me and help me to be the child of God that I need to be. Are you with me? If you don't see that brokenness, it ought to concern you. It ought to concern you for yourself. It ought to concern you as a parent and it ought to concern you as a friend. When you see people that says they're saved and they're living like hell and you see no brokenness in their life, something is wrong. You with me? I wrote down for my fourth point, speaking of verse number nine, get serious, get serious, get serious about what God wants to do in your life. Get serious about it. No time to be laughing and joking. You say, man, what do you mean, preacher? We can't come in the house of God and laugh and joke? Yeah, you can. You go through your day, you don't laugh or joke. Man, I love laughing more than anybody you've ever met. 
But when there's something wrong in here, and there's something wrong in there, it's time to get serious with God. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Deal with me, Lord, and show me where I'm at. Help me to be the child of God I need to be. Move me closer to you, Jesus. Move me closer to you. Help me, Lord. That's my desire tonight, to draw nigh to you. There's no way you can get closer to the light and not see some imperfections. Man, sometimes I can't read something real good the way, man, my eyes. It's about time. Go ahead and say amen, sister. I'll let you have the microphone. Say amen. It's about time. I'm going to have to get me some real glasses. Sometimes, even today, I was getting ready to read something. I couldn't see it. I had to go plumb to the kitchen window where it was bright. And boy, when you get under something bright, you can see everything you need to see. You hear me? Was setting the timing on the old Camaro. Couldn't see the numbers right there on the little twiggy that sticks out right above the harmonic balancer. Whatever that little twiggy's called. You know what we had to do? Had to get a light. We had to get that light right down there on it and move that light at a certain angle, get our head at a certain angle. And I was like, I see them now. I see the numbers. Right there is the zero. Light will show you what's hidden in the darkness. You with me? Miss Abigail, just got saved recently. Let me ask, you still saved? Amen? You know what's going to happen to you? The more you get closer to him and the more you get near that light, all of a sudden you'll be like, whoo, I didn't know that was there. Better get to working on that one. It don't mean you need to get saved again. It just means when you get real close to the light, he's just trying to make you the godly woman he saved you to be. Right? You hear me? Don't let that bother you. Let that make you rejoice in your soul that he saved you and loved you enough that when you get close to him, he says, look right here. Let me show you something. You're like, whoo, boy. Mm. Amen? Draw nigh to him. Cleanse your hands. Let him work on your heart. Quit being double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Listen to these verses. You know what that means? It means to renounce. To renounce means to disown. It means to refuse to own or acknowledge as belonging to. The word renounce means to deny. 2 Corinthians 4.2 speaks of de- de- denouncing things that don't need to be in your life. Not only does it mean to renounce, it means to reject. It means to throw away To throw away anything useless or vile. Throw it away. To refuse to receive. Boy, I read these verses today. And I want you to listen real close. Jeremiah chapter 7, verses 8 through 11. Listen to what it says. Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, and swear falsely? Burn incense unto Baal? Walk after other gods whom ye know not? 
and come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered to do all these abominations. In this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes. Behold, even I have seen it, saith the Lord. In other words, Jeremiah is saying, do you just come into the house of the Lord with all of this in your life that don't need to be there and you just walk in like, here I am. You say, are you telling us we shouldn't come? No, I'm telling you when you come, we need to get right with God while we're here. Don't just come in and sit down on a pew and things in here is all wrong and act like everything's okay. Because he sees it all. If we know that he sees it all, should it not break us to our core? God, break me for what breaks you. Get me to the place to where I hate what you hate, even if it's in me. Even if it's in me. Are you preaching on sinless perfection? No. I'm preaching what James was preaching. Give your life to the Lord. Resist the sorry devil. He'll flee from you. Resist everything that don't need to be in your life. And if there's something there, don't laugh over it. Mourn over it. Get right with God and be what God wants us to be. Just be what God wants us to be. You should have said your notepad's down here, preacher. Amen. Listen. Listen. Reject it. Reject it. I wrote this down. We are not saved to be sad. We are not saved to be sad. But sin should drive us to our knees. You with me? Romans 7, 24 says, Oh, wretched man that I am. Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Luke 14 teaches us, humble yourself and you shall be exalted. How do do we react to sin? How do we react to sin? This is the question of the night, and I'm done. How do we react to sin? Do we react to sin by laughter? Or do we react to sin by sorrow? Does it break our hearts? React to sin by brokenness. Verse 10, read it with me. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He might lift you up. Is that what it said? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he'll think about it for a day or two and he might, he might, he might lift you up. No. It says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. So when the Lord deals with me and the Lord deals with you, and he'll continue dealing with us till we go home to be with him. 
We're all a work in progress. Have you ever thought about this? We're all on the same path, headed in the same direction. Just some's on a different place of the path than you are. Some's a little ahead. Some's right with you. Some's a little behind. But we're all on the same path. And eventually, on this path of life as a believer, I'm going to be going along, Miss Lydia, and I'm going to turn left, and all of a sudden I'm going to be like, bam. Here it is in my life. God help me. Give me strength. Help me to surrender to your will and resist all of this. Then I'm going to go on. And I'm going to be going through life, Brother Holt, and all of a sudden, boom, there's going to be something else. And I'm going to be like, Lord, help me to surrender to you. Help me to resist all of this and give me strength to go on to be the child of God that I need to be. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go on again. And Brother James, unless I'm way wrong, it's going to stay that way from here on out, ain't it? From here on out. Don't ever, please, child of God, don't ever let the devil or the world numb you to the seriousness of sin. Don't let the world numb you to that. Don't let the world numb you to the seriousness of sin. You need help? You need help? I'm trying to figure out something. I've been, I've been praying about it some today. I was in a church service and I was about 22 or 23 years old and my pastor was preaching on surrendering to the Lord. I might have been a little older than that. And I remember sitting in that church pew thinking thoughts like this. If I really surrender to the Lord... What does that mean in my life? If I surrender to the Lord, if I'm no longer in control of my life and I completely surrender to Him, what am I going to do when something comes up and it's not good? What am I going to do? You're not going to believe this. It's come back to me today. What would I do if I surrendered to the Lord and my wife was to get cancer? I was young, married man, when those thoughts come into my mind. What would I do, me and Miss Tina start having some kids, what would I do if I completely surrendered to the Lord and and, and my children was to get out of God's will? What would I do if I completely surrendered to the Lord and things in my life didn't go good? I'm not surrendering to the Lord. How do you surrender to the Lord and say, God, your will be done? What am I going to do if bad things come my way and I've surrendered it all to him? I was a young man when that thought came to me, sitting in a service on surrender. And I thought, I'm going to the altar. And I got up and I come to the altar and I bent down. And I was like, God, I don't even know if I want to do this or not. And I'm scared to do it. 
And my pastor bent down in the altar with me and he said, Brother Keith, look up here at me. I looked at him. He said, what are you dealing with, son? I said, I'm dealing with surrendering. He said, what, what's, what's got you so messed up over it? I said, Pastor, if I surrender my life to the Lord and everything don't go the way I want it to go, what am I going to do then? He said, son, whether you surrender or whether you don't surrender, there's going to be things in life that's going to be hard. He said, but the best advice I can give you is this. If you'll surrender it all, when those hard things come, he will help you through them. His will will be done even in the hard things. And little did I know, honey, (laughs) 